What we do in life? Echoes in eternity. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. And we don't know who we are. This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. Officer, you need to repent of your lawless conduct. You don't know the law, and yet you pretend to represent it. That's not law enforcement, sir. That's being a thug. We will not stop fighting and bothering you all until this monstrous, barbaric practice of legalized abortion ends and we are teaching our children to do the same. God's word says that the shed blood of innocent humans cries out for justice and mark my words, they will have their day in court. Nobody gets saved by being treated nicely. They get saved by hearing the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. If we don't open our mouths and commend Christ, we're not loving Him, no matter what we're doing with our hands. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Hey, what's up, everybody? It is a beautiful Wednesday. It's getting hotter out here mm-hmm. in Arizona. Um, yeah. We, we kind of dread this day. You know what's so weird about us is the in the wintertime when it's cool, we kind of just were like, eh, we acclimate it to it so well. Right, yeah. That we... You know, we don't worry about it. And then as soon as the heat comes, we're just absolutely aware of it. I know. Yeah. And it's it, just it's just funny how we get, you know, we acclimatize the comforts as human beings. Right. It's like we're begging for the winter. And when it's here, like after two days, we're like, meh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, oh, this is wonderful. Well, at first, but then, it, yeah, we don't, we forget about it. And then the summer comes, we're like, why? Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> summer starts in like really spring. You get like half the year here that summer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I was talking to Isaac earlier and he said we have three months of heat. But for us San Diegans, it's like the next five months. Yeah. But they're just so used to it. Yeah. This year I feel like has been better. Last year it started in April and then didn't end till like end of October. Right. But this year, you know, we're just now hitting the highs in June. So I'm like, okay, thank you, Lord. With if you guys didn't know, with all of the COVID craziness. We had our hottest year on record in 2020. I think yeah, and like, I was fully pregnant. Yeah, a hundred days. <laughs> yeah, a hundred days over 110 or something yeah. like that, or 50 days over 150. Yeah. it was crazy. And so. I had Knox September 2nd, so I was like the biggest you could be uh, in the heat, the hottest of the summer. That was just such. A I fun. call it the summer of sanctification. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we are provoked. If you've never. Um, uh, tuned into our show. We use the word provoked because it's all about stirring up our Christian brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. coming alongside of them and motivating them and hopefully inspiring them through the word of God right. to preach the gospel, just to be about the gospel commission. And that's to go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel and, you know, to help them to do that. Not, of course, ever taking the place of their local church. That should be the primary place of teaching, but just mm-hmm. secondarily coming alongside of them and saying, hey, how can we help you get out there? And uh, the best that we can. So it's helping people get the gospel out. And in conjunction with that, or linked to that is the focus on saving babies, you know, 
abortion is the genocide of our day, is the holocaust of our day, and we got to do everything that we can to fight against it. That's why I read that opening verse, because it's a command for us to go out and rescue those who are being taken away to death. And that's absolutely happening at the abortion clinic. I mean, these babies are being actually taken to death uh, via their mom or via being in the womb of their mothers. And then thirdly, we want to defend the faith. Mm -hmm. We really want to... um, you know, be bold in defending the Christian faith. It is the faith once in, once delivered to the saints, and we have a defense, and the Bible says we're supposed to be prepared to do that. Right. So that's what we're all about. What you can do and how to support us, um, I have been feasting off of Apologia and Pastor Jeff and all the guys for like a decade now. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing that can be really helpful is to go to Apologia Studios and become an all-access member. And in doing so, of course, and we say it every single time, you're going to receive second to none uh, education, amazing teachers, uh, debates, anything you can imagine pretty much on there. Right. It covers every topic known to man. <laughs> no, probably not every topic known like, to man. Yeah, I don't think so. Every teacher who has ever taught is on Apologia. No, I'm just kidding. No, but insanely helpful for you, and especially as you, you, you flip it on when you're eating dinner with the kids. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it brings so much joy and light and teaching. So go there and feast on that, but also support us. You can support us financially and that's going to keep the lights on. That's going to keep us doing what uh, we're doing. And of course, hopefully it's everything that the Christian wants to do. Right. And that's just to get the gospel out and uh, love your neighbor. Right. Yeah. Um, we're blessed. I'm excited for today. Yeah. I'm so excited about today. We get to talk to our hero in yeah. the faith. Yeah. Like, he's a hero and I like him. For so many reasons, of course, he's not going to want to hear that. And that's he, what I like. And I just heard him laugh. Right yeah. there, but we're going to introduce him in just a second. But wh- wh- who we want you to get to know, if you don't already know him, is our friend John Barros. He is on the show with us today. And yeah, he is somebody that we look up to. Um, he's a hero in a lot of ways. Um, but let's just go ahead and bring him on. Hey, John, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys? We're well. And we're better because we get to talk to you. We love spending time with you whenever we get to be with you and communicate with you. It's a blessing to us. So thanks for taking, I know you're a busy guy. You're at the mill multiple hours a week. So I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, John. Thank you. I miss you guys so bad. We miss you too. We're, we're excited to talk to you today. How are you feeling? I'm tired, but uh, I'm getting old, you know, I'm going to be 67 this month. Wow. That's awesome. You're a youthful, yeah. you're, you're a youthful looking 67. I thought you were 61 or 62. Hey, (laughs) but we're going to, we got a bunch of questions to ask you. And this show is really about, you know, picking your brain about abortion mill ministry. Uh, That's what you do. Um, And when we we call you a hero, of course, I know you don't like to hear that. Um, And of course, God, everything that is good in you is because of God. And uh, we boast to no man. We exalt no man, right? Um, But we can praise God for what he's done through you as his tool and his conduit. Um, but you have been at the abortion mill for 15 years or 16 years. Well, I've been there 18 years, but, uh, or 18 years ago, I started going there, but as far as full time every day, all day long, it's been 11 years now. Wow. Wow. 11 years. So backing up, John, he's in Florida and he's a guy that goes to the abortion mill ministry and you just heard it. He's been full time there, which is 40 plus hours for the past 11 years, which is just so hard to wrap your mind around. <laughs> I mean, that is have to, <clears throat> that's got to be a gift supernaturally given to you to be able to do that. Cause the, the average guy just 
he couldn't do it. No way. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to start shooting questions to you and um, we'll just see how it goes. But why do you do what you do? Why do you keep on, why do you subject yourself to the pain of this type of ministry? Why do you do it? Well, you know what's funny? Uh, God called me there. And I know a lot of people want to say that God's called everybody to do that and everything. But God called me there. And I know he did. I mean, it's beyond a shadow of a doubt. And he hasn't uh, he hasn't uh, told me to leave yet. Yeah. So I go. I stand my post. I, I, uh, you know, he's called. He's called me there. He tells us in Proverbs thirty-one to be a voice for the voiceless and the cause of all who are appointed to die. And so I go down there. I consider myself an ambassador of Christ. I consider myself an emissary, and um, I just go there, and I'll be there until he relieves me of my post. Right. Praise God. What would you say to people in your age group that, you know, just want to retire and, you know, sit oh. sit back and, you know, live the good life of vacations and uh, just ease? What would you? How what would your response be to someone that was asking you, "Hey, John, why don't you just retire and relax?" Well, I would say, why don't you uh, check out of this life uh, doing something purposeful? Yeah, doing something for the kingdom, right? Because if you're, if you're a believer, you're going to have the greatest uh, vacation ahead that you could ever imagine. So, why waste your time with these ones? Right. Amen. It's so antithetical to like what's taught in our culture. You know, it's like the big push for the American dream is to make as much money as you can so that you can retire and kind of live high on the hog for your, the rest of your years. And that's it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you think about it because so many people believe, you know, what the culture teaches about people in the, you know, the twilight years of their life is that they're done. You know, they're all washed up. They have nothing to offer when in the kingdom this people group it should be the most powerful. You think of Caleb at the age of 80 yeah. who said, give me my land. You know, he mm -hmm. was ready to go forward and accomplish, you know, what God had called him to do. But I think when it comes to retirees, I only see them as being so incredibly effective in this ministry. I mean, look at John's, of course, case example A, yeah. you know, but people who have the time and have the resources generally to mm -hmm. be able to be out there for long extended periods of time. So retirees can live out the best years of their life. Right. You know, when they retire or they get to a place of financial independence or something like that, they can be the most fruitful and productive. It's really a beautiful thing, too, when you think about, you know, just kind of the ebb and flow of life. Like, you know, you get in about our age and you're in the the child rearing and, and you're taking care of kids. And so you're, you're busy and then, you know, your children go off and that's, you know, sad in its own sense but also beautiful because that's what you raise them to do is to go out into the world and then god brings another kind of chapter into your life where you're no longer taking care of little ones necessarily but you have this time to be able to just pour into service right which is a beautiful calling yeah you know? and i think you capture that john in your life um but how many babies do you and i know this is an a question that you don't know basically because we don't know how many babies are were saved out there because women 
see you and turn around, you know, and see Christians all the time all around the nation. Yeah. So we don't know, but from what from what you do know, since you started, how many babies? I'm going to word this correctly, but how many babies has the Lord saved through at, your ministry? Through your ministry mm-hmm. at the mill. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the definitely the way to uh, describe it because a lot of people want us. People will say, John, you've saved these babies. I haven't saved anybody. I mean, I, I, I don't have that power. These people come and they're, they're hardened and they're, they're dead set on, on killing their babies. And the only thing that's going to change that direction is God. And he, he's the only one that can give sight to the blind. He's the only one that can give a new heart. He's the only one, uh, he allows us to be a part of it in uh, bringing his word into this whole program, because according to Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and it's, that's God's power, right. is his word, and, uh, and that's what works. And he allows us, like I said, he allows us to be a, a, a part of it, to be a vessel, to be used, um, but he is the one, and we can never lose sight of that. I, I see people that are getting on some borderline stuff that scares me actually, but you got to, uh, you got to remember who it is that's doing this. Now, as far as what he's done here at this clinic for the last 11 years, I've seen him, um, bring, uh, 20 to 30 girls a month, uh, to choose life. And those are girls that have prayed with us said they're choosing life, gone to Choices, the pregnancy center that uh, we send them to, uh, maybe come to our church. These are people that we're in contact with that uh, actually do uh, choose life. And we've seen God do that, and it's been a steady, no matter what happens, COVID, no matter what it is, 20 to 30 girls a month for the last 11 years. Wow. wow. So that's about uh, 3,200. Yeah. Roughly. It could be up to the. I mean, I, I think that's. Stay away from numbering. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. David did that and he got in trouble. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it's a big number. But what I love about john is that he wants no recognition for it that's that's why you're no. why you're one of our heroes is because you know yeah, you, sure. you these don't people i see running around numbering people yeah. it is crazy i remember when david uh numbered the people he got judged seriously for that mm-hmm. it, i mean we have to it is god that's doing this right. and right. and i mean you got to flee from all that stuff. These are people, not numbers. No, I agree. The Bible says that God gives, you know, resist the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Right. <laughs> and yeah. how, how could we do this ministry with God resisting us? It's yeah. hard enough just to be able to accomplish it in our own, you know, in our, with our fleshly struggles, but for him to be resisting our ministry because we're trying to rob him of his glory. Uh, oh, and so goodness. I totally agree. We, we cannot do that. I think we have to go to him daily and uh, repent of false motives and ask him for pure motives just to, you know, decrease while he would increase that he would be the one uh, that we give all the praise and recognition to. So I, I totally agree. And I, I do cringe when, you know, it's just in our nature to rob him of his glory. That's what our sinful flesh wants to do. Right. It's something that we have to fight against every day. Um, but for this type of ministry, it just can't even be an option. We can't, you won't even make it past 
you know, first base if you if you do that. Right. Um, but maybe you could bring us back a little bit uh, 18 years ago. Um, and I don't even think I know. I know we've talked a lot, but you say that God called you. But how did that happen? And did you hear a gospel presentation? Did you drive by your abortion clinic or how did that happen? And kind of let us know what you did. And kind of take us through, you don't have to be too exhaustive about the explanation, but maybe just take us through the timeline of what transpired after that point. I wish I could say that it was some, that I was this wonderful spiritual creature. But um, my pastor 18 years ago, Jim Fitzgerald, he, um, he asked me one Friday night, called me and said, you want to go to the abortion clinic? I said, what in the world do I want to go to an abortion clinic for? And he said, come on, go with me. Because um, uh, another member in our church was going down there on Saturday. So her name's Patty Smith. And um, he said, come on, let's go down and support her. I said, I don't want to go down there. And uh, and then he said, come on, I'll buy you a cigar. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I went down there because he was going to buy me a cigar. Now, once I got there, it was horrific. I mean, I could not stand it. I hated it. But something kept drawing me there. And then I spent a few years there, going there on Saturdays when I could and any other time that I could. And then I got really sick. I got cancer. I had brain injuries. I had all these things go wrong and uh, had major brain surgeries. And... I was screwed up. I mean, big time. And, and so I don't even know how long, I mean, it was months and months and months that I, I couldn't even go out the front door. Uh, I was scared of everything. I didn't even know who I was or where I was. But then as my mind started to come back, I remembered, uh, God working down at that abortion clinic. So I went down there. Um, and trust me, my mind was not, working and I went down there anyway and uh uh I sat on this little pony wall that's there that divides a couple of properties and a, a beautiful young black girl came walking by and I said young lady can I talk to you a minute and she said sure and she sat next to me and we talked for an hour hour and a half and then she started to cry and she she stood up and I mean she was beautiful I can still remember that I'll remember this my dying day that she bent over and she kissed me and her cheek touched my cheek and her tears came off of her cheek and onto mine. And, uh, she said, I want to thank you so much. I'm not going to do this. And, uh, and then she walked away and, uh, and when she walked away, I was just staring at her cause I couldn't even remember a word I'd said to her. And, uh, and I felt this warmth come over me. That I don't even believe in this stuff, but I felt this warmth come over me. And I didn't hear any voice or anything. But uh, I just said, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, take care of my family. And I've, I've been there for 11 years. Yeah, that's amazing. And so many, so many of our neighbors are alive because of that. Think of that, just simple obedience. It's just so humble beautiful. obedience and what God will do with that. And, I mean, we're talking about a lot of people yeah um, all to his glory That's... well and you're not just talking about the children that are alive you know just from that res you know resulting from that you're talking about their posterity too 
Yeah. How many people in the big picture? Are we talking about millions? <laughs> yeah. Millions? I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, but maybe we'll um, just segue into... Can I in on that one real quick? Of course. Go ahead. My dad, I, I, my dad passed away in April. And so my family, we all had to go out to Garden Grove, California. And uh, we all went out to his house. And, uh, and after the funeral, we all went over to his house. And it was the weirdest thing. It was so surreal to me. But I was sitting there. And I was looking, you know, everybody's eating and having a great time. And I looked and I looked at, at my brother and sisters. And then I looked at all of our kids. And then I looked at their kids. And I thought, man, if my grandmother would have aborted my dad, none of these people would be here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. For some reason, it didn't hit me till then. I don't know if it's because, you know, when you're at a funeral, you're in a different uh, state of mind right yeah it's it's so true though i was doing that uh ancestry.com thing and you can kind of start going back and seeing you know from your mom's side your dad's side and then it goes their parents and their parents and anyways all of a sudden you've got this huge web but then you look and you're like man if one of those people chose yeah. to have an abortion like all of these people would have been affected uh so I think that we won't know until we get onto the other side of eternity all that this is affected and what how God has moved and done so much through his people. Yeah. Just this just, goes to show you yeah. the wickedness of this thing that we battle yeah. every day. I mean, how dis <laughs> how death bringing it is. I mean, on so many levels we can't even really touch on just the effects of it, but it just brings nothing but death and destruction and um, but what I wanted to do was kind of help those who are going to watch the show who are thinking about getting into the ministry. We've seen, and I know you have seen, just an incredible spike in, um, mm. I guess you could say, interest or, um, you know, people having the burden now to go out to the mill. I mean, you when you started, there was nowhere near the amount of people that are doing it. Now you're looking all throughout Facebook and your feeds and you're seeing people go to the mill left and right, babies being saved. Mm -hmm. um, but there's such a spike and so many people hungry to know how to do it. And um, I know that's not necessarily an easy question. I think maybe the simple one is you you show up and God shows off, right? Like Rusty Thomas says, I mean, he, he gives us the power and, and ability. But I just want to ask you kind of some probing so questions. Go ahead. He stole that from me. I was going to say, I thought that was you that said that. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just want to pick your brain. Um, and I think the first question um, is, is there is there a cost? And I know there is. But how should a person count the cost when seeking to get involved with this ministry? You know, Jesus, when he had all the masses following him and a lot of them was just because of the bread and his popularity at the time, but he would turn around and say, you guys better count the cost. You know, we're not going to the Ritz Carlton, like, um, you know, pastor MacArthur would say, yeah. you know, this, you have really have to take in the toll of this type of ministry. So, uh, how would you, how would you answer? How should a person count the cost who's seeking to get involved in this type of ministry? <laughs> Well, you know, first of all, I, I had a, a, a interview like this with a guy named uh, uh, Ben from the Daily Wire just a few hours ago, oh, and wow. he, Ben Shapiro. He told me how, no, another Ben. Oh. Uh, but anyway, he was telling me he had only been saved for two years. Oh wow! And here he is now, out fighting the fight. He's fighting the fight on the streets of Philadelphia. Wow! 
and he's also working for the Daily Wire, and he's he's battling this battle on two different fronts all at one time. And I told him I was just so amazed that this guy is so young, and I'm so old, and it, it, I love just seeing how God is rising up these people. And you know, it's it is a battle, and you do have to count the cost. But that's nothing new. That's part of being a Christian. Right. I mean, we have to count the cost just in our life as a believer anyway. Mm -hmm. But there is an added cost when you go to an abortion clinic. Because number one, abortion has been around since the book of Genesis. Satan attacks children. Psalm 106 tells us that uh, they're offering the blood of their children to demons. This is a demonic... um, uh, sacrificial nightmare mm-hmm. that we're involved in, and the enemy loves that. They they love abortion. So when you get up and you go stand, you can count on being attacked by the enemy a lot stronger than if you're sitting on your couch watching uh, video games or something. Right. And uh, but yeah, there's a cost. Mm-hmm. I mean. You can talk about the. There's people that have lost their lives doing this. Not very many, but there are. I mean, uh, down where I'm at, I, I post on Facebook every night because R.C. Sproul wanted me to. He wanted me to tell the stories about what Jesus does. Mm-hmm. I also am on a secular radio station every Monday night here, uh, where I tell people about what Jesus did down at that abortion clinic on uh, uh, through the week, and it's an amazing thing. What's but, what's that radio station? Just so anybody in the area could pop on and listen uh, to you. Well, it's uh, it's called American Adversaries Radio. It's part of the Salem uh, uh, Media Group, and it's uh, um, I think I believe it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't remember the numbers. Oh, nine fifty a.m. and ninety four point nine FM. Oh, cool. Awesome. And then you said it's a secular station? Oh, yeah. Wow, that's surprising. It is surprising. I've been on there six years now doing this. Wow. That's awesome. But see, if you stand, people take notice. Even the world takes notice. And they say, wait a minute. You know, what is it? Why is this guy like this? Why is he doing this? And then we're able to share. Now, do we have things happen bad? Yeah. You know, I've had... I can't count the guns that have been pulled on me. You know, I've had urine thrown on me. I've had, uh, I've been hit. I've been, uh, I mean, you name it, spit on, uh, all of that stuff. And, uh, but you know, that's not what we're to revel in. And today, you know, today's a good example. There was a girl named uh, Serena that came and I'm going to post about her tonight, but uh, she came down there today and she's flipping me off and this other lady named Michelle that was there with me and screaming and hollering and cussing her and her friend. And I just kept giving her the word, telling her I loved her. And she kept on and on and uh, all of this stuff. And, and then I won't go into everything. There's no time. But all of a sudden I look, she's back in her car up in the back parking lot and she pulls up. Tears pouring down her face. Wow. She says, I have to apologize to you. I said, for what? She says, all that stuff I was doing, all that stuff I was saying, all of that. I shouldn't have been doing that. Wow. And she, she said, I can't do this. She said, 
something is not letting me kill my baby. Oh, my goodness. And so she asked for prayer, uh, took the stuff for choices. She's going to go there tomorrow morning. She chose life, her and her sister. Wow. Praise God. You could throw five gallons of piss on me. Yeah. You could hit me a hundred times. You could spit on me till I'm swimming in it. But if you get to, when you get to witness God do that, it's worth everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Well, I think too, a lot of people, you know, they see just the Facebook posts or video of like, uh, you know, baby saved or this, and they get excited to do this and excited to get involved, but they don't see all that led up to it, like the cursing out and the pee being thrown on you and, you know, everything. That's why I was thinking about titling this episode, the dark side of evangelism or abortion mill ministry, even though a lot of it's dark, but you just the spiritual attack and the physical attacks that come along with it. And so I wanted you to maybe touch on uh, also just like on a, what, what can happen to you personally when you decide to jump into this ministry? I know I wasn't really prepared for it when I started. I was like, you know, on fire for the Lord and fire to, to you know, rescue babies. But I didn't realize like there was going to be a, a, a huge element of spiritual attack when it comes to, you know, uh, just your confidence and like feel like the enemy taunting you with you're not uh, equipped, you're not good enough in quotes to be doing this, um, you know, tax on your family, tax on your marriage, tax coming from every side. I just, I wasn't quite ready for that. Um, and so I just feel like I want to warn people who are new to the fight or thinking about getting into it. Like this is real spiritual warfare. I know you've said several times when you're out there, it's, this is literally the gates of hell. Like, and so is there anything like you could, I know we're, we're short on time, but then you could probably talk about this for a long time, but, um, could you just touch on on the kind of attacks people can expect going into this? Well, everything you just said, but the ones that are just so surprising, actually. Um, when I first started this, there was a lady, a dear lady, strong, godly woman named Georgiana Larson. And she got a hold of me one day and said, John, you have to be careful out there on the sidewalk. And I said, uh, I said, I'm not afraid of those people. I'm not afraid of any of this stuff. And she said, she wrote me back and said, John, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the ones that are on the sidewalk with you. Mm. That's another thing you got to watch out for. Because Satan is going to move every angle that he can to try to keep you away from that place. Right. He just But yeah, you're right, though. I mean, people are going to want to spit at you. People are going to want to beat you. Uh, supposed Christians are going to drive by and yell at you from their cars, telling you you're doing it the wrong way. Right. You're going to have you're going to have every kind of thing that you can imagine. But thank God that it's not a consistent, regular thing. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, what I, mean? I don't want these people to get a vision though that every day there's going to be a constant eight hours of people doing this stuff to them. That's not true either. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, and God, like I said, number one is the one that's there to protect you. He will protect you. He protects his people. Right. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? And I know this is surprisingly, I don't think the toughest aspect of this ministry is the abused. 
I don't think that is the toughest aspect of this ministry. But from your perspective, what is the toughest thing to deal with? What is the toughest aspect of this type of ministry? You know, when you're going to put your feet down and really go at it for a long period of time until God says, okay, I'm going to move you to a different post. What has been the, the toughest part of it from your perspective? Well, mine has been, I don't know about you guys, but uh, mine has been depression. Mm. Mine has been feeling, you know, the enemy hits at that. Um, uh I got to keep my focus on Jesus, just like, you know, Peter would, he could do the impossible when he, uh, when he wanted to walk on water to walk out to Jesus. And, and as long as he stayed focused on Jesus, he, uh, he was able to do the impossible. But when he looked at his surroundings and the waves and all that, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I have to preach this to myself every day. Yeah. It's that he began to sink. And, uh, and because if you let up, if you let up in your faithfulness, if you let up in, in not looking to him, man, the enemy is there to kick you around inside, spiritually, uh, emotionally, all of those kind of things as well. Yeah, and I, I agree. And um, yeah. I have not done this for as long as you have or, you know, for as, even as long as you do per week. But I've never really experienced depression until I got into this or this level of spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like it's a daily thing for me, just the enemy's assault on my mind. Um, yep. And I don't know if you, you go through that to that extent, but yeah, just the darkness and the, in the depression over it. And I think it has to do with, you know, seeing person after person after person choose death and you have your trolls and everything, but that's the enemy's assault. It's his almost relentless assault on you. It's probably the toughest thing, and you're exactly right. <clears throat> if you let up on your, <clears throat> you know, your daily Christian disciplines is where you get refueled in the strength of the Lord, man, he'll he'll let you have it. He'll knock you around. Yeah. I got to tell you, my favorite times of the week is one is going to happen in about a half hour here. Is we have a prayer meeting in, in my home, and... Uh, Mostly, yeah, most all of them are, yeah, they're all from St. Andrews. And uh, I, uh, this is strength to my bones. Mm -hmm. It is. It's absolute. The middle of the week, you know, it gets you through to Sunday. Right. And you, you know, you draw close to God. You draw as close as you can. Um, because away from him is just danger. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, Sunday morning, I go to the morning service an hour early, and I sit there, and I look out over the pond there, and I just wait for the girls to come. And these precious little girls come walking up in their sundresses, and then their moms show up in their sundresses, and it just helps cleanse me and show me uh, that everything is not like where I'm at. I look at people like... Uh, well, Becky's here, my friend. And uh, I look, I'll go online when it gets real dark and I'll look at her Facebook page, look at her pictures of her family. That stuff is so important. All the most basic things that you can imagine. Because these people that come to at least the clinic I'm at, these girls will take their clothes off to throw you off when they're, uh, when you're, when you're trying to preach. They'll act like, 
not women, not ladies in any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. And so you need to have things that bring you back um, to the way things are supposed to be. And uh, so church, number one, uh, you know, I spend, I, I don't know, I spend probably six hours there on, on Sundays uh, between that and the evening service. And then Wednesday night at the prayer meeting here at my house. But you're right. It's the basic things, prayer, um, uh, studying the word. Um, but you have to get into it intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It depends on the amount of time that you're going to be there. Yeah, that's important. It's got to be, it has to be intense because look how intense this ministry is. Look how taxing it is, uh, you know, spiritually and physically. So that should drive us even farther. It's like you run a big, long marathon. You're going to be thirstier, right? <laughs> you're going to be spent, and you're going to have to go to that source of nourishment much more than you normally would. So, yeah, for those of us in the fight and getting into the fight, yeah, you can't be lax on spending your time. And it's all about communion with the Lord through those mediums of prayer and Bible study. That's just absolutely essential. You, you can't let up. Or I feel like the darkness overtakes you. Mm-hmm. You know, It can overtake you and really get you in almost like a disabled state spiritually. And it, it's not, it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. not what you want to go through. But hey, um, I do have two more questions and then I'm gonna let you go. I know you gotta get ready. Uh, but I thought they're pretty important to this segment. And then we we wanna invite you back on and we'll do another uh, episode oh, yeah, just, yeah. Uh, you know, um, having you teach us about this. But uh, the question, one of the, the first of the two is, how can we get it wrong at the abortion ministry? And what I mean is, what are some practices and methods? And you actually touched on it a few moments ago about counting, you know, the number of babies. But um, what are some practices and methods you see out there that you think are counterproductive? How can a person really do damage in the abortion mm-hmm. clinic? Well, you know, that, that could be a whole program. Sure. Um, yeah. But uh, there's some uh, there's things people won't agree with me on. Uh, the main thing is I really believe that especially if you're going to do this full time, you have to look at this through the lens of second Timothy chapter two, when it says to correct those that are in opposition, if perhaps God would grant them repentance and open their eyes that they might see the snare of the devil, having been taken by him to do his will. You must look at these people as people that are blind and they're stuck in a trap. They can't they they can't get out of there unless God moves. I mean, there's no way. But we come because it says um, perhaps God will grant them repentance, and He does every day at the abortion clinic I'm at. I mean, just about every single day. And um, but it's you have to look at them through that lens, or you're you are going to look at them as uh, the enemy, as evil, wicked people, as all these things, rather than look at them as someone that needs your pity and needs your help desperately. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you need to, you have to do that. If you go outside of that, I mean, I've seen some people pull some Westboro Baptist kind of stuff that makes me want to throw up. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I've seen, uh, uh, you know, this is, this is going to get everybody mad, but 
I don't like pictures of cut up dead babies at my abortion clinic because the thing I try to do is get conversations. And I have found that when you have those things there, you're going to cut back on a, a lot of conversations. Mm-hmm. And again, I know there's people that have to do it because they're further away, that they're not in the kind of position I'm in, mm-hmm. none of all that stuff. Um, so I know people need to use it. But where I'm at, um, it's not helpful. Right. Another thing that's going to make people mad is one thing that can really ruin a day at the clinic is if a lady comes down that's had an abortion and she comes down to help, and if she tells uh, if she tells the a girl there that's going in for an abortion that she's had one, that that is crazy because I'll tell you every single time I'll try and warn them. I always ask them if I don't know them. And I'll say, have you had an abortion? And they'll say, yes. And I'll say, please don't tell anyone. Uh, I said, if you were in a pregnancy center or something, I would say, oh, yeah, of course, go ahead and do it. But this is a different thing. And they won't listen because they all think that their story is going gonna, is gonna to stop. And uh, because they've shared, they've had so much pain. And then they'll, inevitably, they will not listen to me. And I'll be around over somewhere else, and then I'll see him talking to someone. And the worst thing is, is that that girl, this has happened every single time. That girl going in for an abortion will look her in the face and say, you are a hypocrite. If you can have an abortion, I can have an abortion. And you tell me how much it's hurt you, I'm stronger than you. Mm. Then they go in the, in the lobby and start telling them how... Everybody out there is a hypocrite, and they've all had abortions, and it just throws a mess into everything. Yeah. So there's a few things. I mean, like I said, we could go on all day long, but um, people just need to focus on the people that are there. They need to love them, and they need to give them the gospel. Let them know what God thinks of this. Let them know that their baby is a person. Right. Let them know, let them know that Exodus chapter 21 shows us that their baby is as valuable as anybody that's ever walked and talked on, on this earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, just take through scripture. Right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, these two questions are pretty huge, and we could talk about it for multiple hours about counterproduct- yeah. counterproductive things that people do that we see, and then also productive things. But I think you, you're touching on it. You know, we, uh, we can't they are the enemies of God, but we can't wage war against them. You know, I, I went on a trip with Preston last year and we went to, uh, my Preston's my son and we went to a couple different abortion clinics. Um, Augusta, we saw Stephen Smith and Justin Phillips, you know, all these guys. And I think through our travel, um, in the common denominator of how God is blessing these particular men in their ministries is the grace and the mercy and the patience in the kindness and the goodness that they show to these mothers, you know, yeah. Um, if we <clears throat> if we can't do that, I don't even think we have any we have any right, or we should we should be out there in front of that mill. If we're just spewing <laughs> hatred, we can't get control over our emotions, and right. we're not <clears throat> kind and good and gracious and blessing them. Then we're we're doing nothing. You're but not it really seems, qualified. Then. Yeah, you're not yeah. qualified. Yeah. You, you're just not suited to be out there. And and you know I've. I feel broken in saying this because our 
kind of maybe disposition um, as brother and sister, maybe as family, as we're fighters. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we like to get, you know, somebody gets up in our face, we're quick to get back up in your face. <laughs> and so I think through the years, maybe I've been graceless or not as gracious as I could be and patient as I can be. And you kind of let your, your anger get the best of you in the way that you respond to them. But I think, um, yeah, if we're going to be effective and, and do this in a God glorifying way, we have to be uh, kind. Well, yeah. thank God I served your sister. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But hey, thank you so much for your time. We love you so much. I wish we were seeing you face to face so we go get somebody to eat after this. But maybe that'll I'll be. But maybe that'll be so hopefully sooner rather than later. But I'd love to have you back on and we can pick your brain about more stuff. Yeah, I'd love to do like a series, you know. Yeah, it would be good to where we could really get into the maybe the knit and, knit and gritty. Yeah, nitty of, gritty. Of nitty gritty yeah. of it all. But <laughs> is there anything else you want to say before we let you go, bro? Just that I love you guys. I love you too. Thanks so much for your time. I hope you get refreshed and have a good Bible study. And every time I talk to you, it just seems like the Lord's taking you through another round of the refiner's fire. So I'm praying for you as you go through that. I got a Bible verse for you before you get off. Uh, it's Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So I just want to encourage you, brother, to keep on going. And, you know, you encourage and inspire us tremendously in people throughout the world really and i know you don't want to hear that and that's why we love you so much but just keep on fighting the good fight and looking to christ and we can't wait to see you yeah all right man we'll talk to you soon okay love you you. thank you for your time i take back everything i ever said about (laughs) (laughs) all thanks (laughs) and that's probably all true so don't do that (laughs) good night bye all right guys well hopefully you um enjoyed that hopefully it was eye-opening we really wanted to provide a show and maybe it'll be multiple shows yeah to where you can um not that we're like the source of truth um, when it comes to abortion clinic ministry right we're not that source but we just wanted to give you kind of a raw show of what you can really expect you know the depression the spiritual warfare the attacks that's everything that you have to you know, keep at the forefront of your mind. But as John said so clearly, it's the Christian walk. Right. I mean, this is Christianity confronting the culture of death. This is just what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, and he's been out there doing it for 11 years. He's our friend, so we would be foolish not to glean from his wisdom and experience, you know? like oh, absolutely. He is such a treasure. Um, so, yeah, I hope that you were blessed and took away some some tidbits from this this episode and yeah i look forward to having him on even more and being able to just learn from him right you know you know god you know he is the source of any of any good right yeah we're not there's no one good yeah god but god does bless faithfulness so you do want to examine these ministries that's why i went on that trip last year to really examine these guys and analyze them and how can we pick up these good qualities and good habits right that are leading to God blessing them in such right. a profound way. And so, he does give us people to look up to, sure. you know, to follow them as they follow Christ. Yeah, mentors you know? in the right. place. So exactly. Anyway, hopefully it was a blessing to you. If it was, you can share our show across yeah. our platforms mm-hmm. on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> and what else? What would you do without me? Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, on wherever you get your podcast, you can give us a rating and a review. And yeah, we're excited we got a lot coming up this summer so yeah a lot of good stuff flat earthers debates um 
yeah so thanks for hanging in there with us thanks for spending your time with us we hope you have a blessed we do this every other week so blessed couple weeks and we'll see you next time yeah we'll see you next time love you guys Thank you.